if I were coming up with an ideal diet, I would miss one of us, right? I would either kill me right. or kill him because right. because we're on opposite ends of the spectrum. He's 100% right. carnivore, and I am allergic to beef. I can't eat red meat. So um, obviously this whole idea that you you can write a book not knowing who I am, anything about my body, my genetic makeup, you can write a book telling me what to eat is complete BS. Welcome to the Live the Path podcast, where we meet real people leading unreal lives. Okay, this is Farmer Hidagi, MD, and Jill Hidagi. And today's topic, this is the part two of a four-part series on nutrition. We did the first part, which was the why of nutrition. This, this one is going to be on the what of nutrition. So it's probably going to be pretty boring. Jill is on the road. You might hear a little road, road noise here. But I thought that this was such an incredibly boring topic that, that if I did it by myself, I'd maybe fall asleep. So I, so, I gave Jill a call. So why is it boring out of the gate? Uh, I guess because I'm just not, I'm not a detailed person, detailed person. Uh, I don't like long lists of things to do and not to do. And nutrition is one of those things I've, I've learned it and relearned it in so many different ways. And starting with what I learned in medical school, maybe even starting with health class in high school. And it's changed so much over the years. And so I, I'm just, I'm very gun shy about buying into any uh, particular database of what's good for you and what's not. Um, so that's why, because it just, Interesting. yeah. Because I see you in the kitchen and you're pretty meticulous about the combination of ingredients and the sourcing of ingredients for the cooking that you do. So I'm going to challenge that boring concept. Yeah, so I guess the way, the way I look at it is I there's a few core principles that I use when I cook and when I shop. And that's what I just use over and over and over. And it's a short list. Um, as yeah. far as little bitty things like... You know, the 15 different types of polyunsaturated fats and uh, what what kind of meat is better for you, those kind of things. There's just a lot of, um, and, and all the supplements that you're supposed to be taking, it just makes my head spin. But I think what I'd like to do is just impart to our listeners that you can get by with just a core few skills, a few rules that you can just use over and over. And and maybe that won't get you 100%, but it'll get you 80 80, 85, 90% where you're supposed let's to go. Let's go with Pareto's. Yeah, let's go with Pareto's law okay. and oh, do the 80, 20. Perfect. On this. Thank you for reminding me about that. Yep. Pareto's law is that you get the most benefit from 20% of what you do. And um, or 20% of what you do gives you 80% of the benefit. So, yeah, let's, that's, that's a very good way to look at it. So let me go on down to my notes here. Since you're not here, you can't see my notes. But what I said here was, the, the, the what of nutrition, it's really a two-part thing. It's what you should eat and then what you shouldn't eat. And we're going to cover the first one first. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said before, it's just a confoundingly complex topic. There's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of people that have a vested interest in you eating cholesterol-free Cheerios or uh, whatever they happen to be selling. So you really have to pull the weeds out before you buy into these things. Um, so... Um, and, and the other the other thing is, if you if you look at a bookshelf filled with diet books, they all claim they have the answer. So, 
Perlmutter, Dr. Perlmutter wrote a book about how grain was the complete evil thing, the evil ingredient of all. Um, and Atkins talked about how carbs are the most evil thing in the world. You have um, people talking about how you have to be vegan because to eat beef, the, the forks over knives people, they're just like strict vegans and they hate anything related to any animal products of any sort. But here's why I know that's BS. And let me explain yeah. to you something. It, because I didn't know this, but I on a random blood test that my doctor did, I found out that due to a Lone Star tick bite, I'm allergic to beef. Um, it's not deadly, but when I eat beef, I get um, some hives in my palm. I get kind of itchy. Sometimes I have a hangover feeling the next day. I might get a little achy. And I know that's from beef, beef and red meat, pork, lamb, all those things. Um, so that's something that I know is true because I got bit by the tick. I remember the rash. I was treated for it. And I now have very specific antibodies that make me have an immune reaction when I ingest red meat. Okay? So that's part A. Part B mm -hmm. is we have a neighbor who watched some YouTube video, smart guy, and um, he's bought into this carnivore diet. So mm -hmm. he eats only meat. And I mean, he doesn't even have a sprig of broccoli. So his diet consists of, well, am I going to eat ground beef or a steak? Or am I going to eat, you know, a beef hot dog? He probably didn't even eat a beef hot dog. But he, he eats only meat. So that's the two ends of the, the coin there. you got me, a guy who's allergic. Exhibit to, one yeah. and exhibit two. I'm allergic to beef. And then our friend who um, is only eating meat, thinking that's the healthiest thing for him to help him lose weight. And he actually said he was feeling more energy and it is helping him lose weight. Okay. And he's a big guy. So my, my point here is both of those things, it, it, it's, if I were coming up with a ideal diet, I would miss one of us, right? I would either kill me right. or kill him because, right. because we're on opposite ends of the spectrum. He's a hundred percent right. carnivore. And I am allergic to beef. I can't eat red meat. So um, obviously this whole idea that you, you can write a book not knowing who I am, anything about my body, my genetic makeup, you can write a book telling me what to eat is complete BS. Okay? So, so I'm glad. Okay. Yeah, are you on board with that? I well, I, I, I buy the supposition of your exhibits. Okay. So let's move on to exhibit B as if I'm trying a court case here. I think the most powerful way to figure out what to eat that works for you, for your body, your genetic makeup, your lifestyle, is to use your own body as an experiment. And what I mean is to pay attention to how foods affect you. And um, over the years, I've got a pretty good idea of the foods that affect me. It's not based on lab testing or doctor's advice. It's just based on I know if I eat certain foods, they do certain things to my body. And I think if you pay attention close enough, you can learn a lot about how different foods affect you. There's some general things like, I mean, if um, uh, you know, there's some things that are poisonous to everyone. And, but, but a lot of things don't affect, like, you know, Jill can eat bread just fine. She does great on bread. If I eat bread, I get bloated. I get stomach cramping. So, you know, that's a good example of how the same food there's nothing evil about that food. It just affects us differently. Right. Well, and you know, I suffer with some gallstone issues. So sometimes fat can do things to me. It will not do to you. Yeah, I love fat. I love olive oil. I love... Yeah, good um, fats. Yeah. Right. Certain good fats. Um, I love um, 
um, you know, French fries made in avocado oil, which probably a lot of health gurus would tell me to steer clear of. But anyway, um, all right, so let's move to the next uh, thing here. So we're talking about what to eat. And I, and I just briefly have to review just so that people know this terminology. So when we talk about things that your your body takes in, there are basically two big things, macronutrients and micronutrients. And so you hear people talking about protein. Well, protein is a macronutrient. Macro is the the uh, Greek or Latin root for large, micro is small. So a macronutrient is one of these three things, either a protein, a fat, or a carbohydrate. Um, they're all carbon-based, but they all act a little bit different in your body. So the, the thing that is demonized the most these days is carbs. And the reason for that is our diet is very skewed in that direction here in the West. We, we tend to eat way more carbs and simple carbs, processed carbs, than we need to. But um, it used to be fats. Remember, a couple of decades ago, fat was demonized. So it has cycles. Yeah. So, yeah, they were saying fat was terrible and you need to eat promised margarine, which is, by the way, t- terrible to put in your body. Awful. It has trans fats. And right. So, yes, you're right. So fats were evil before. Now carbs are evil. I'm waiting for proteins to get evil because all I hear now at restaurants or whatever is uh, what is your choice of protein? What protein do you want? Yeah, what protein do you want? Which basically, you know, what dead animal would you like to eat? Um, they don't like to say that. They like to gloss Well, they over. don't like to say dead plants either, but that's right. a whole nother podcast. Right. So that's the macronutrients. And um, I, I think I would be, just as a general rule, um, trying to taper your diet, cater your diet to what we evolved eating makes a lot of sense to me. So I, I don't like the word paleo because there's an entire industry now being built behind paleo and you can get all kinds of food that says paleo on the front and keto on the front that is not good for you. But um, the basic idea that you, you maybe imagine in your head what people were eating you know, tens of thousands, a hundred thousands of years ago and try to duplicate that. So probably they weren't eating uh, donuts. Probably they weren't uh, eating cake. They probably weren't eating a lot of bacon Probably not a lot of fried chicken. So you see the point that I'm making here. And, but they didn't have access to it, right? They, they just didn't have access to lots of sugar. Even my favorite indulgement, lots of coffee, was not available around the world. It wasn't available. Right? And, but the, the, our forefathers were evolving. The, yes. the important point, though, is that our our the people that survived through evolution or if you don't believe in evolution, I'm sorry, but if I'm just saying that our, our oh, system even at, through creation, right, it came up way. eating cert, a certain diet and we have gotten very uh, away from that and basically trying to climb your way back into that, um, the basic diet that things that grow from the earth, maybe some lean meats um, and, and away from processed fast food, from junk food things that come in a box, uh, a bag, or a can, I think is a good general principle of what you should eat. Okay. So what you're saying is our DNA doesn't evolve as fast as my iPhone's next iteration of the OS. Yes, our DNA has really not changed very much at all. A few things right. have changed, um, but, but all in all, we are basically the same as we were in the paleo era. Um, so, 
Okay. Um, and, and again, not to get too much in the weeds, but th- these macronutrients, it's important to have a basic concept when you look at an ingredient. So they're, again, they're carb, protein, and, and fat. Fat. Yep. Carb, protein, and fat. Now, we're going to take each of these and just quickly, 30-second summary. Carbs are basically sugars, and when people talk about simple carbs or complex carbs, what they're talking about is if you take a glucose molecule and fructose is another sugar, there are several types of these sugars, and you start linking them together with chemical bonds, they become complex carbohydrates. So something like, um, uh, let's say you eat a lollipop, that's just pure sugar, it's glucose, um, probably with some fructose. If you And if you link all these little molecules together, you get things like a whole wheat grain. Cause then, and the, the, the basic idea there is the longer these chains of carbohydrate, the harder it is for your body to digest them, and the, le- the less they will make your sugar rise. So basically, and there are actually carbohydrates, they're insoluble and soluble fibers that we can't digest. So, you know, that, that's the difference between us and a cow. A cow can eat hay and it, and it can digest every bit of that hay stalk. We can't. We can't eat. We can't digest and get any, anything from the, um, the the hard part of the the, the stalk. Uh, we can just eat the grain of the wheat. We would need more stomachs to be able to do that. Yeah, more stomachs. And so what ends up it doing for us is it basically just bulks up our stool. That's what if you eat a lot of fiber, that's what it's referring to. Fiber is a carbohydrate, but it's one that we can't digest. All right. So that's carbs. And, and there the basic principle to think about is simple carbs, bad, complex carbs, good. And so quick examples of simple carbs are things like pancake syrup, things like white bread, um, things like pasta. Those are all simple carbs. Complex carbs are things like um, broccoli, um, green beans, cauliflower. Now, when I mention these things, very rarely does any food have just one thing. So all, you know, th- take like broccoli, for example, it has some simple carbs, a lot of complex carbs. It has protein, um, doesn't have a lot of fat, but you can always sprinkle some olive oil and make, add the fat to the broccoli. Um, and then it has fiber. And then it has a ton of our next topic, which is micronutrients, but before we go into that, let me go ahead and finish up um, the macronutrients. Before you move to the other macros, can we just sidebar for a second about these things that people use a lot of, these other sweeteners they use that they say, well, it's sugar-free, so it's not a bad carb, but your body is still taking it in as though it was a sweetener. Tell me a little bit medically of what's happening there with these artificial sweeteners. Yeah, so the, there's briefly. there's two reasons that those are not good. The first reason is, and the research on this is not 100%, but I, I've, read, I've read studies that say that when you eat something that tastes sweet, even if it doesn't actually have sugar in it, so stevia, NutraSweet, um, those other thingies mm-hmm. that people use, they still make your body think you're getting a sugar load, so it, it, it bumps your insulin up. because It kind of okay. fakes your body into producing insulin, and high insulin is to be avoided. Um, that's a, it's a hormone that deals with um, your sugar. It brings your sugar into a normal range when you've eaten a lot of sugar or carbohydrates, and it deposits that sh- those sugar molecules in places it doesn't belong. So, um, okay. so that's reason one, while those diet things are, are not, good. I'm not so sure whether that's true, 
but it makes sense to me. But reason two is actually the more important reason. And that is those things are sickly sweet and they, they make you crave more sweets. So, um, if you, if you indulge in stevia and NutraSweet and diet drinks and think you're getting a pass on anything bad getting into your body, um, the problem is it in the end makes you crave sugar more. So it, it continues your, your sweet tooth. So, um, when we first started dating, I really ate a lot of pasta, love Italian. And it took me some time to decrease that craving. So even if I was doing diet sweeteners, it could affect that craving issue I had with pasta and other carbs. And that, when we did detoxes and other things, just changed our diet to more fresh food in general. I actually, at some point, didn't crave pasta the way I used to when I first met you. And that was a big shift for me. But I would not have known it if we hadn't done some of that detox and pacing ourselves in kind of balance of what we eat. And so I don't think people think about that with the artificial sweeteners. Yeah, I think you can think of it as heroin almost because it takes, and I've stopped sweets several times and I have a terrible sweet tooth. I always need a little sweet something after dinner. But if if you um, indulge yourself in sweets, it makes you want more sweets. And when you stop, it really is difficult. The first one to three days, you literally feel like a drug addict. You, you, know, you feel yourself reaching for sweet things. But after that, it gets really, really easy. Um, I can barely drink a Coke these days because it's just so disgustingly sweet. Pancake syrup, ugh. Um, there's, so it, once you get that, okay. you recalibrate your sweet tooth, it gets easier to avoid sugar. Sorry for the sidebar on the fat support. No, that's a very important sidebar. I appreciate your input. All right, so so macronutrient number two is fat. And uh, basically, this, I'm going to keep this super simple. If you use oil to cook, extra virgin olive oil and avocado oil are what I use uh, exclusively. I, I don't use anything else. I don't use canola oil. I don't use corn oil, vegetable oil. Sometimes I'll put a little butter in, but it's not when I'm actually, I'm just putting that in for flavor. I'm not using it to, to cook with. Um, but extra virgin olive oil and avocado oil are absolutely the best. They're, we're not going to get too much in the weeds here, but there's a lot of different kinds of fat. And, and those two things contain the best kind of fat for your heart, for your brain. Um, it, it's just... Uh, you did break it to me. There's absolutely no lard that's good for me. Because, you know, as a Southern yeah. girl... Yeah. I grew up eating lard, and even my mangalitsa lard, no, not going to be good for my body. Yeah, I wouldn't make it a staple. The problem with animal fat in particular is that pesticides and toxins, heavy metals, all those things, they get concentrated up the food chain. So if you eat something, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you eat something's fat, you're getting a high dose of fat-soluble things that you don't want in your body, mostly pesticides and hormones or another thing. Um, so that's like, that, that's a, a general rule. Now, if you eat a little lard here and there and a biscuit or whatever, it's not going to kill you. But, but in general, I, I try to stick those to those two fats, extra virgin olive oil, Don't. preferably Don't. organic. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and avocado a, oil. That's a good point. And maybe it comes up in the proteins, but you know, people like that fat on their steak depends on what that cow had. 
yep. put in their body as to what you're taking in there because fat is where that stores all the yucky stuff. That's exactly right. And that, okay. that, that goes for, I can go real simple because I'm not medical. <laughs> yeah, and that goes for breastfeeding too, by the way. So, you know, oh, the, the fat yeah, in mother's point. milk is concentrating toxins that she may have ingested um, over the course of her life. Um, so, yeah, this is, a, this is a rabbit hole that we could go down for a while. But basically, oh, and, and another thing is you can take a good fat like olive oil or avocado oil, and if you overheat it, so if you see, if you, if you get it hot on the stove past what's called the smoke point, and that's when you actually see smoke rising from your frying pan, you are denaturing that oil and you're making it unhealthy. So when, so you need to be aware of what the flash point is. usually says it on the front of the bottle. Olive oil is good for sauteing stuff. It's not good for deep frying. It's not good for high heat cooking. Um, avocado for that. Avocado has a little bit higher flash point. Uh, and, and those are the two I rely on most. But even if, uh, even if it's uh, avocado oil, I'm cautious not to overheat it to the point that it's smoking. If, if I see it smoking, I'll throw it away and start from scratch. Okay. okay. Good, t- good tip. Okay. Right. So that's fats in a nutshell. And by the way, um, healthy fats, the, the, the monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats, those are two categories of fats. Um, you can get the great sources of those are nuts um, and avocados are an excellent source of that. So that's just two quick tips. Um, but on to topic, on to the third kind of macronutrient, which is protein. And protein, of course, everything, almost everything has protein. Vegetables have protein. Um, so, but when people talk about protein these days, they're talking about meat or fish or chicken. Um, and I think that as a general rule, reducing those things in your diet are a good thing. Um, I, I think, and for the, for the rule that I just mentioned, the, the principle I just mentioned, which is that things are concentrated up the food chain. So if you eat a chicken, you're eating what that chicken was fed in a more concentrated way. Mm-hmm. And if that farmer um, treated that chicken poorly, gave it cheap food, even fed it chicken parts, which I don't think is legal anymore, but you know, you don't know what's in that feed. Vaccines, or, other things. Right? Sure, and and other, uh, antibiotics uh, that they give the right, chickens. Right, thank you. That's and, what I mean. And also, um, in their feed, um, a lot of, a staple of chicken feed is corn, and that is almost a hundred percent guaranteed to be genetically modified corn sprayed with Roundup. So you're getting with your chicken fingers. It's a two for a one killer, right? Right. There. So you you can bypass all of that by just being conscious about how much meat you ingest. And people, you know, red meat gets a bad rap, but the reason for that is that red meat traditionally had more bad fats than, say, something like chicken or fish. But if you raise red meat, if you raise a cow in a sedentary stall and feed it lots of grain, you're basically going to make the fat profile of that cow terrible. If, on the other hand, you're you're dealing with a bison or a grass-fed, 100% grass-fed cow, that cow will have a much better fat profile um, for eating a much more healthy fat profile. In, in other words, in, in, in so that's the why to eat the grass fed or the bison yes. ground beef or things in the grocery. Okay. And, and also, if you think you're getting, say, people say, "Well, I'm eating salmon." Well, if that's farmed salmon, the fat in that farmed salmon uh, that's grown in a pen and fed lots of grain, and because they're in such close proximity, they get sick, so they have to give them antibiotics. And um, that salmon has a much worse uh, nutritional value than a bison or a hundred percent organic grass fed cow. So keep that oh, wow. in mind. You can't just say I'm eating salmon. You need to think about what kind of fish you're eating. 
it's the source of all of it that you need to pay a little more attention to yeah. or have an awareness have an of awareness. the more natural the more natural it ate the more natural it's going to be in your body and the whole upstream effect that's right and and the whole idea is to make the best choice that you have in front of you so um, we can't all eat organic grass-fed beef it's very expensive and we may not be able to find wild alaskan salmon but um, it, the idea is you have these things in mind, you have tools, and you pick and choose what your best option is um, at any given time at a restaurant or when you're at the grocery store. Okay? Okay. Right. So just in, in summary, what we're talking about when we say to eat a healthy diet, what I basically mean is um, lots of fruits and vegetables, preferably fibrous fruits and vegetables that have lots of bright colors. So dark greens, reds, uh, things like things like broccoli, like kale, like Swiss chard, lots of bright colors because bright, bright colors actually mean that there are lots of micronutrients in that food. Um, mm. Right. And then um, thinking about maybe cutting back a bit on dairy, cutting back a bit on um, just red meat is, is think of it as a garnish. So eating a big fat steak four or five times a week, I just can't get my mind around that being healthy for you. And uh, I'm sorry for the uh, carnivore friends. Um, Why dairy? Well, dairy affects a lot of people in a lot of different ways. First of all, the, the same thing I told you about mother's milk applies to cow's milk. So that cow's milk um, is absorbing a lot of the toxins in the diet of the cow and concentrating it into the milk, into the fat of the milk. Yeah. Having, having milked a Jersey cow before, I understand the fat yep. content on the milk. And, and it's very difficult to get raw milk. So chances are, even if you buy the highest quality, most expensive grass-fed organic milk, it's going to be two things. One is homogenized and the other is ultra-pasteurized. So ultra-pasteurized is a, a high heat method of killing bacteria in the milk. Um, and then homogenized is when the, basically the milk has uh, water, has fat, has protein. It's doing a, a chemical treatment as chemical, but it's a mechanical treatment so that the milk doesn't separate out when it's sitting there in the carton. So both of those things denature the fats and the proteins in the milk and make them not only less healthy, but maybe toxic. So that's why you avoid dairy. And, and the other reason is a lot of people are allergic to dairy, especially cow's milk. Uh, there's the protein in cow's milk is, is it's a different protein than what you would find in goat's milk and sheep's milk. And a lot of people have a low grade allergy to the protein in cow's milk and they may do better if they switch to sheep's milk, cheese or goat cheese, um, and not, not have is that inflammatory this, response. Not to go back too far, but is this similar to the fact that we have more allergies to the gluten in the wheat that has been altered in the type of wheat that we grate versus the ancient wheat, which had, it was shorter and had less, no, bigger heads on it. Is that yeah, right? The small was shorter yeah. and had, it was a lot fewer chromosomes. Yeah, it was well, a whole yeah. different different product. Um, right. So, so that the, yeah, yeah. So exactly the same thing. So it's, the, the food has been not evolved, but it has been um, changed over time to suit the needs of big agriculture and, and, in, in general, those needs are not healthful. So they're, they're designed to make lots of calories and to feed lots of people cheaply. But um, what happens to the health of those people after they eat those, those foods, uh, mass-produced, um, mega-agricultural ag foods, is not something that's really yeah. what they care about. 
Okay. Right. Thank you. So a quick, I think you know, we, this, this is a deep topic, but basically protein, fats, and carbs, we've, we've summarized that. Um, then we can talk a bit about micronutrients. We're still on the topic of what to eat. So micro, meaning small nutrients, those are things like vitamins, minerals, and then antioxidants from plant sources. And um, basically, these are things that you can't make in your body. So we can, we, our body has the capacity to take fat and um, shift, you know, take, transform carbs to fat. It, we have the ability to uh, take protein and break it down and use it like fuel. But there are things that our body can't make. And those are the vitamins, minerals, antioxidants um, that come from plants. And um, so when we talk about nutritional value, that's often these things. And, and the basic principle to understand here is that we, we all have a, in, in the modern world, our food sources and our behavior causes us to be in a situation of lack for a lot of these minerals and nutrients. So I'm not a huge believer in supplements, but um, it is true that because of the way food is mass produced, because, of, um, because we don't go outside and get exposed to sun, um, these, these micronutrients are lower in concentration than they were hundreds of years ago. They're just not in our soil the way they used to be. Yeah, we, because of the way that we farm, we do single crop farming. We basically ravage the, all the nutrients out of the soil. And the soil, it, it's basically, we put back potassium phosphate and nitrogen into the soil, but we don't really put back these other nutrients very well, like mm -hmm. magnesium, calcium, zinc, copper. Um, so so the, when you eat a head of lettuce, you, you're getting what looks like a healthy head of lettuce, but it, the, if you could look at it under a, a microscope, you, you would see that it's missing a lot of micronutrients. So what to do? Well, well, can I ask one quick question? Yeah. Where do amino acids? Oh, amino this? acids are, you know how I gave you that example about how, how carbohydrates, complex carbohydrates are built from glucose mm -hmm. and built from mm -hmm. fructose and galactose and a few other sugars. Amino acids are the building blocks of proteins. So they're, the, oh, they're okay. like the Legos that we build proteins out of. And proteins are what give us our body structure. Muscles are protein. Our skin uh, has collagen in it, which is a protein. So, so amino acids are just the building blocks of proteins. And, and that's a very good thing that you bring up because there are actually essential amino acids that um, our body can't make. Our body can transform amino acids from thing to thing. And, and there's some foods that we rely on to give us these essential amino acids. And so that's one of the reasons that being strictly vegan is a little bit complicated because a lot of vegetables don't have complete uh, amino acid profiles. Okay. All right. So um, that's micronutrients in a nutshell. Let's, let's just quickly talk about what you shouldn't eat. Um, that's, that's a pretty short list. I mean, the rules to that are pretty, pretty short. So here's my list. If I had to put four things that I would stay away from, sugar is number one always. And by sugar, I mean anything that tastes sweet. Um, so you want to re be reducing that at a minimum. Yeah, your if body not trying to eliminate yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, in general. your body does not need sugar ever. I mean, it, it you you eat a carbohydrate. It's a treat. It's a treat, and and we now when I say that we have to have sugar in our bloodstream, but that's sugar that you digest by eating a carbohydrate. Yeah, pure sugar that you ingest, like in a soft drink or in pancake syrup, 
or even a piece of white bread. That's just very quick enzymatic step from being pure sugar. Um, your body, that's not a healthy thing to put in your body because your body's not used to getting a, this big wallop of, of sugar all at once. It's used to digesting sugar slowly along with protein and fat. Okay. So that's high on the list, sugar. Number two is, is gluten. And the reason I put that on there is because um, gluten causes a lot of issues in the gut. And gluten is basically, gluten's a protein that's found in uh, bread. It's, it's three grains, basically. It's found in um, wheat, uh, barley, and rye. So those three grains contain gluten um, in a high concentration. And, and gluten can be, um, it's not poisonous, but it can be toxic to the gut. It can cause leaky gut. So that one, that one type of food um, ingredient, gluten, can do a lot of bad things, most of which are hard to diagnose. They're hard to know. So if you, you may not have an a, a allergy to gluten, but gluten is not a good thing to get in high concentrations in the gut because it does, it makes your gut leaky um, and that can cause a whole host of problems. Um, okay, so that's number two. Yes, yeah. Um, we talk- we can, leaky gut and all of that, we can get into in a later episode. There's, you can go down those rabbit holes too. Yes, yes, we should probably. We should have a whole gluten episode. Um, number three is dairy and we talked a little bit about that. I, I don't have any problem with occasionally a glass of milk, but you know um, we're the only species that drinks another species' milk, and we're the only species that drinks milk at all outside of infancy. So there's no um, there's no other um, animal that drinks milk. It's designed for a baby. So um, this coming from a man who likes his cheese. I do like my cheese. I do. That's true. But you, I, I try to do sheep's milk or goat's milk, and I try mm-hmm. to make it organic. So um, I would say. Be cautious with dairy. Um, it, it, it is another one of those things that can cause allergic uh, reactions in your body and can cause an inflammatory response. And then number four is basically a large category, but it's anything processed. So um, sure. what that means is something that came out of the ground, maybe, or maybe not, and, or maybe it was built in a lab, but it's something that has... Yeah, more than five or six ingredients, and in particular, if you don't can't tell what those ingredients are, they have chemical names or they're, you know, um, red lake number five, yellow lake number six, or whatever. If they're additives, preservatives, or if the food is overly processed, um, probably good to limit that in your diet. Well, let me ask you this: pre-made dinners at Trader Joe, Trader Joe's, um, processed food. I, I mean. You have to process some, eventually you're going to process it when you cook it in your kitchen. But what you don't want is someone else to process it and add a bunch of things to make it uh, palatable but not healthy. So when they, you know, if they make a food and they put it in a, Trader Joe's is, is I don't know anything about their, their process, but if it's like Whole Foods, I have more experience with that. I mean, they're, they're putting forth some effort to make these foods from scratch and to uh, make them in a healthy way. So I think that's not exactly what I'm talking about in process. What I'm talking about is, okay. you know, beef au gratin that comes from Betty Crocker in a box or brownie mix or um, uh, Chef Boyardee, one of your favorites. Um, or one of my favorites. macaroni and cheese or uh, Cool Whip. Or, you know, those are, these are things that are made in a factory. Mm-hmm. Um, Versus making your own homemade creme fraiche or something like that. I got you. Okay. All right. 
All right. So I think that's kind of it. Um, and I, I just have a couple of general rules as we go through this um, that I'd like to close with. So here, here's a couple of things. The less process, the better. I think we covered that. So the less someone touches the food, touches, I'm not talking about playing with your food, but I'm talking about the, the less is yeah. done to your food from how it, it's... The original ingredients. Yes, the better. That came and, from the earth. Right. And, and the word natural, if you see that anywhere, chances are it is a uh, gaslighting... Marketing. Is that what you call it? Yeah. Mar- mar- there are because no rules. No regulation That's right. on the word natural. That's right. So just think if you can replace the word natural with from the earth. If you can, then you're good. But if you are looking at, say, um, tricks crackers and it says all natural, yeah, you know, probably that natural is a word that they're they're trying to trick you with. Okay. The Versus second, organic actually has regulation around it. Yeah, there are some regulations, but now you know organic farming has become this mega enterprise and uh, but all in all yes if you're eating something that's organic there at least are some steps that those those farmers have to jump through to get the food now i think labeling in the grocery store is another whole nother oh you read my mind actually that's my next general rule which is ignore the bright packaging so when they put Mm. bright packaging on a box or a container um, they're trying to mimic what we're naturally drawn to which are plant pigments and and uh, bright colors that come in nature um, so instead of looking at that front, whatever it says on there, chances are it's not going to be truthful. So you just turn it around, read the ingredient label. And actually that would be a great podcast, how to read an ingredient label. Mm-hmm. But the mm-hmm. basic rule there is look for fewer than five ingredients. Look for ingredients that you recognize. Um, if they're chemical names, probably you're looking at a processed food. Okay. And then lastly. That's at its highest level, like one way to stay safe in the grocery store. Yep. And, and then the, the, lastly, you can take the best, most organic, most delicious vegetables in the world. And if you don't prepare them well, um, then you're, mm. it, you're, you're defeating the purpose. So in other words, if you take broccoli and you boil it to the point where it's like mashed broccoli, you've probably killed off a lot of the good vitamins. Um, or if you take, for example, some, some kale, make yourself a salad and it looks beautiful, but then you cover it, you smother it with Kraft Thousand Island dressing. It's now a dessert because you put a ton of sugar on there. So yes. don't, don't screw that last step up. If you've got good, good food, you brought it into your house, you paid good money for it. Now make sure you prepare it in ways that don't ruin its benefits to you. Good so, point. Again, so, a whole other podcast, the cooking of the, the nutritious there food. is and, and and just as just as a quick rule because i don't want to leave people um you know without giving them this detail the lower the temperature you cook a food at generally the better so deep frying not good um steaming good so poaching a piece of salmon is a much better way to cook the salmon than than blackening the salmon you know using vegetable oil at high heat is that pretty clear that is pretty clear. We covered a lot in a relatively short amount of time. Hopefully we stayed high enough level. It gave people some real how-tos and staying safe, not only in the grocery store, but in restaurants and in their own kitchen. Yeah, I think we went on for 30 plus minutes. It's ridiculous. Okay, so uh, why don't we go ahead and close and uh, we, we have now got um, episode two of Nutrition 
in the box. And I am Fairmares Hidaji MD signing off from the Live the Path podcast. And I am Jill Hidaji. So glad you're here. Yep. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope we catch you at the next one.